some more backloggers. We are back with another episode of the Backlog Busters. Hopefully we've busted some backlogs. We've definitely played some games, I think, some people more than others. Some people play and beat games in less than a day because that's what they do. They put it on the backlog, and then just as soon as it's there, it's gone. Others keep adding to the backlog with no end in sight, never completing anything because that's our right. But you know me, I'm Mathman1024, you can call me Ryan. Um, it's Mr. Ryan if you're nasty. I'm here with some of my favorite people from the internet. We have from the land of Lincoln, Mr. Patrick. He's he's on he's on hold. He's taking a very important call. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Hi. My <laughs> name is Patrick. Uh <laughs> how, how are you doing um, tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You can call me backlog patty in day of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're playing some Sonon Kagura. And yeah. oh, uh-oh. <laughs> from from the plains of the Midwest, the blaziest of nights, who just recently leveled up, Mr. Mike, how are you doing? Doing very well, thanks for asking. I don't have anything fun or clever to say, but I am here, so that's something. Well, we can all agree that what I said was not clever. <laughs> <laughs> But it was fun. See, and and Ryan said the clever thing, and I just said the thing that happened. See, right, (laughs) right. Exposition. Got all the bases covered. All the bases covered. Well, see, that's one of the that's one of the hallmarks of uh, of being funny is being able to comment on what's right there in front of you. So, being able to you know have that running commentary is is great, Mike, and and you're doing a great job. Um, and you know what? Since the last time that we saw you, and I know that we, you and I recorded and, well, we had some audio issues, so you guys may never get to hear that. So, TBFY, uh, but aside from that, uh, Mike, since the last time we officially met as a group of backloggers, what has been your favorite thing? You know, that's how we like to start our episodes off. Surely something fun, great, meaningful, positive has happened to you since the last time we recorded. Well, there's been several fantastic things that have occurred in my life, but if I had to pick one thing that was my favorite, it was probably be, um, as you alluded to earlier, just enjoying my birthday, which as of recording was yesterday. Um, It was just a really low-key, chilling-out affair, stayed home, hung out with the kids, got some T-shirts, got uh, a new wireless keyboard, Nothing too crazy or over the top, um, but yeah, I got to just just relax, play some video games, watch um, an interesting Nintendo Direct that had um, several games that I am interested in. So, you know, thanks Nintendo for the the fantastic gift, and uh, it was really nice of you to schedule the final Smash reveal on my son's birthday. So we were looking forward to that. So you had a good birthday. I did. I, I very much did. That, that Nintendo Direct dropped on your birthday. And I, and I thought it was great that, you know, we shared this in a text message that we had this realization that you had the same birthday as Nintendo itself. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo's I a little bit older than you. Just a little. Just a little. I thought that was really interesting. I, I had honestly no idea. Yeah, that was, um, that was really neat to find out. And uh, that Nintendo Direct, does that move you at all? 
were you excited for that? Uh, there, there were there were things, but the, the main takeaway as far as um, right now action was I had to expand my Castlevania collection and pick up the Castlevania Advance collection. You had to a choice. It was it wasn't a choice because I see I was on Twitter the other day and I was I was showing Mr. Grouchy um, the, the the Castlevania collection that I had and bragging about how if you wanted to play Castlevania. I had him covered, and well, I couldn't not have him covered, so I, I had to fill in the last gap. Now, <laughs> keep it secret, keep it safe, but there is one <laughs> other game. There is one other game in the Castlevania collection that I don't have on the Xbox, and that is this online multiplayer um, Castlevania that came out on oh, the 360. Yeah. Um, it seems to have reviewed well, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that one. I'd have to to learn some more. And if it's online only, I don't know about starting it many, many years later. It just doesn't seem like a, a good investment. But that's the only one I'm missing. So I'd play it with you. There you go. <laughs> you at least have one other person. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, in terms of that, in terms of that, uh, the first Castlevania collection. You know, if you guys are just patient. Anybody that's listening, you can easily snag that for five dollars. It goes on sale here, you know, often enough. Yeah. So five bucks and that gets you what the the three NES Castlevanias, mm-hmm. Super, Super Castlevania. Castlevania, Kid Dracula, Castlevania Adventures on the Game Boy, and yeah, then Castlevania there... Bloodlines on the Sega Genesis or from right. Genesis. Okay. Yeah. The is only there... the only thing is missing is Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood. Right, and, and I that had wasn't uh, remedied on the advanced collection. Uh, well, Dracula no. X technically is Rondo of Blood. It was the Super Nintendo port of it, but uh, yeah, you can only get those two games in the Legacy collection. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I don't the know what it's called, but it's exclusive <laughs> to PlayStation. Yeah, the one on the PlayStation. But that's okay because I have the XBLA version of Symphony of the Night, so good to go. Some Castlevania Dracula X will just have to fill in for Rondo of Blood until exclusivity wears out, or um, you happen to find it on the internet somehow, <laughs> right? Some, some way. <laughs> uh, play it any way I can. Well, that's a lot of Castlevania love, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that a little bit later. But how about you, Mr. Patrick? What has been your favorite thing since the last time we met? That's a good question because it's been a while. Uh, you know what? I'll pick. I'll pick a simple one. So, me and my family, for a long time, we used to go to the library. You know, weekly, pick up books, pick up movies. They even rent video games, which I always was kind of perplexed by. But uh, we recently started going back. Uh, my son has been very much into reading, and he's excited to go every week. So that's always fun to see kind of what books he picks out and kind of what he's interested in. And it's off and you know what it's uh it's expanding his vocabulary which is kind of exciting. And he's getting better and better at reading himself and you know which is also disconcerting because you know that to be a little more aware of what we have up on the screens or what we're playing in the background and things like that but <laughs> 
but the other thing with that is because they allow you to rent uh, movies and video games, it's kind of bringing me back nostalgia of going to video stores when I was younger. And so my wife and I have been doing weekly treks to say, like, let's do it like we used to. You know, we pick out three or four movies. We watch them all over the weekend. Or, you know, we do the weekend rental for a video game and see how far we can get before, before we have to bring it back. It's been kind of fun. Really been enjoying that. I'm jealous of people that can rent video games from or borrow, check out video games from a library. Because, yeah. you know, I live in you know, one of the largest cities the largest metropolitan areas in the country and our local branches don't do that. At least not that I'm aware of. And you can, you know, check out DVDs and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. no video games. Yeah. I want to say it's relatively recently, like within the last few years that they started. And I mean, they have some generous donations to our library because we get things from Xbox series X and PS five in there as well. Wow. Yeah. And switch. Which is real nice. <laughs> yeah. See, and that that's the thing I've been missing because recently here uh, they closed down the the family video, which was the last holdout for uh, like rental places in my area. And mm-hmm. I don't know, there might be some someplace else, but that was the last holdout here. Uh, maybe there's red boxes. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't mess with red box. No. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so like the the Cruisin' Blast came out, and I was like, man, that would be a really great game to rent, play for like a weekend, and never look at again. Right. And I really missed that. And I haven't been to the library recently to to attempt renting video games there, but I do recall quite vividly renting Skyward Sword for the Nintendo Wii uh, at one point from the library. So maybe an avenue worth, worth checking out. Absolutely, because speaking of that, my son wanted to rent Skyward Sword, the remastered Skyward Sword on the Switch. I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity to see if it's worth buying, because we have it on the Wii, and it's good enough there, but if I don't have to use motion controls, then I'm all about it. And <laughs> <laughs> So we rented it, and it, I mean, so we did play the Wii version to compare. Motion controls are more intuitive (laughs) (laughs) because trying to do the kind of jury-rigged version with the right analog stick to to swing your sword and stuff takes some getting used to, but I don't know. I'm still on the fence whether or not I like it or not. (laughs) Yeah, I think from the stuff that I've heard people talk about in terms of the control scheme, that's a big turnoff for me ever playing that game and I, I, I'm okay with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I grew up with, you know, Zelda one and Zelda two and, you know, Zelda two is one of those games that I don't know how many times we rented from the video store until my parents just finally relented and bought the game for us. Right. Cause we were, we were playing it so much. Right. Um, but the uh, 3d Zeldas, I never really got into those. Um, I never really played uh, Ocarina of Time, never touched Majora's Mask, thought about buying it at one time, but I never did. And so it wasn't until, I guess, Wind Waker, you know, drew me back in on the GameCube, um, but then Breath of the Wild. So I sometimes I'm curious about those others, but, you know, I watch people play them 
and especially like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and it just seems a bit too clunky. Because mm. you know, it's that, that first, his first real generation of 3D graphics, and it just, you have a hard time with it. And I know they say that the, uh, with the 3DS versions are, you know, much better. Um, maybe one of these days I'll check it out. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're at least worth trying. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of 3D Zeldas myself. Yeah, so uh, speaking of the 3D Zeldas, specifically Ocarina of Time on the 3DS, my daughter's actually been playing through it and really enjoying the game. Uh, she's been getting stuck quite a bit, but um, she knows where to go to get the answers, if you know what I mean. Uh you know, this guy here, he knows, he knows the answer. So when she gets stuck, she comes and talks to me. But she's been having a, a blast playing it through on her uh, uh, newly repaired 2DS XL, thanks to the one and only Backlog Patty. Thank you very much again, by the way. Of course. Oh, is, is, is it Backlog Patty or Patty old Backlog? Um, you know, I go by either. My handle is Backlog Patty. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. my, <laughs> my name is Patty old Backlog. <laughs> okay, that's... That's why I kept getting confused. There we go. It's it's that it's a very very strong Irish in you. That's um, right. It's the the quarter yeah. Irish comes through all the time. <laughs> quarter? I thought you were like one seventh. I'm probably more Irish than I am Italian, despite the dark hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty much uh, well all kinds of stuff. Well, uh, for me, I'm trying to think of what my you know most positive thing was uh, you know since the last time we met um i don't know that's it's really hard to say um still kind of you've know, been stuck at home you know working from home and now my younger son trying to help him with the homeschool stuff some of the stuff is good so like we are you know what four five weeks into the school year for him and we're like 25 percent of the way through the geometry uh, curriculum because we sit down every day and I said, okay, you know, the way the book is doing this, it's not quite right enough. So here, let me show you the way that it should be done. Here's the way to go through it. So we just blaze through it. It's just me and him. And it goes through, it's going pretty fast, which is good. Um, I'm glad that he can, you know, understand that he's, you know, tracking with that. I just feel bad when he goes to his other subjects like, you know, language arts and history. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I what what is the, what does the book say? So it's a little bit more challenging on that. But uh, one of the other things that we do, you know, he's got this whole schedule so that he does a little bit of Spanish every day, and uh, he's supposed to exercise every day. And so I said, "Hey, why don't we do some exercises together?" So I've been doing some Ring Fit Adventure, and I figure some of the exercises that you do whenever you're fighting the enemies in that game, I can do those on my own, whether it's the you know, the, the squats or these needed chest compressions to work your abs, you know, let me do that without the game because when I was doing it on the game, you know, you do the exercises to to attack the enemies, but once you know with the battle, then you're kind of like running in place. And it, I didn't like the way that would break up those exercises. So I said, I'm just going to do this on my own, uh, just random times of the day. And he agreed to do some working out with me uh, yesterday. And he mentioned something about music. And I said, yeah, we, we should play some music. So I asked uh, the Amazon dot that I have to play the soundtrack for the Karate Kid. Like the 1984 Karate Kid. 
And it was just the weirdest thing. We're sitting there looking eye to eye into each other. And I'm doing curls with the dumbbells and he's got some weights too. And the music is going. And he just mentions something about like, it should be a montage. Like one of those classic 80s movies montages where you start working out. So we're you know, doing the weights and then we start doing the squats and we start doing the, the ab workout. And he would just look at me and say something about a montage. And then I would just like start cracking up. I could not even focus on what I was doing. So I, don't, I lost count. I don't know how many reps I'm up to. Um, but yeah, that was that was uh, one, of the, one of the really fun things. And, you know, being able to, you know, spend time with him and hopefully, you know, break him out of this kind of funk that he's been going through just with, you know, COVID and being away from friends and out of the school setting. Um, it's been a lot better for him to, you know, sit right here at the desk next to me doing his work and, you know, going over stuff. And then, uh, like yesterday, you know, we had that Nintendo direct, he had gone over to my in-laws house for the night and it was during the time. Cause we actually had planned to watch it during supper, but they went over there before then. Um, but we got on a discord chat and he shared his video and we're sitting there, you know, live streaming it to each other, talking about it, making comments and, you know, he's freaking out about certain things and I'm going, Hey, it's act razor. This is so cool. He's like, what's that? I'm like, we have to have a talk. <laughs> and then watching him get excited about Splatoon three. And I'm over here just playing on my phone at that point. Cause it doesn't really do much for me, <laughs> um, but it was a, it's really good. It's, it's nice to have conversations with my sons about, Hey, what games from the direct are you most interested in? And really my son is trying to feel me out for like, so what games are you going to buy, Dad? <laughs> Hoping that it's going to be something that he also wants to play so he doesn't have to use his own money on it. Right. Which I understand. Right. I get it. Frugal young man. can got his mind in the right well, place. Well, yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. He, he wants Metroid Dread. <laughs> He's like, so so you really want Metroid Dread, don't you? I'm like, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing it, but I'm not going to rush out to get it. It's, it's like, like, oh, okay. okay. Well, maybe I'll put that on my birthday list. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a I'll be picking that up in what, two weeks from today. Something like that. Nice. It's exciting. But by the time you hear this recording, depending on how editing goes, it may already be out. <laughs> fair chance. Fair chance. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, we are in at the very end of September. Uh, for those of you who pay attention to all things sports ball, you know, football has just started up. Uh, baseball is winding down and we're about to get into the playoffs in a couple of weeks. And, you know, hockey and basketball are just around the corner. So we thought, what better time than to talk about our favorite sports ball video games of all time. Now, in this genre, we're talking about you know, sports in general, but we also said, let's not include racing or driving games. I know some people would argue it's a sport, especially if you live anywhere in the South, <laughs> you know, just under, just under football, you've got NASCAR as a sport. No, we're, we're, we're not going to do that. And if you feel angry enough about that, you can always contact us on Twitter and you know how to do that. I'm sure. <laughs> and we would love to hear your comment and your um, your constructive feedback. Yep. That's, That's what how we, we grow. For. 
Or someone does. Someone looks for <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about our favorite two or three video games and maybe throw in some uh, honorable mentions. So, um, Mike, I'm sure you have plenty of time to come up with a your, your, your top video game. So give me, let's, uh, give me one of your favorite sports video games of all time. Okay. I, I've put a lot of thought in, into this, this list of games here. And one of my favorite sports video games of all time goes all the way back to the Super Nintendo. I think, you know, you, you guys are, are going to know it. Like, you guys have probably both played it, or at least at least seen it played. You may, may have heard about it. Um, this, this one is um, Super Punch-Out for the Super Nintendo. I, I know it's, it's not a ball. That's I get, I get that. The boxing gloves, they're kind of shaped like balls, so that, that could count, maybe. Uh, but No, 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 yeah, boxing it, counts. That's good. Definitely um, one of my favorite sports games of all time. Uh, I know a lot of people um, would would prefer the punch out on the NES. That one never jived with me. That uh, that crazy King Hippo, I could never figure out the trick to beat him. So forget that. <laughs> I, I'm going to go to the 16-bit era for Super Punch-Out. Uh, you just got to love the the characters and the different like animations that they do the the sounds that they make depending on when you time your hits um and then the fact that it keeps track of your time and you can keep track of your record like it it does a lot of really good things that i feel um makes it a cut above other games at the time that are similar and really there's not a ton in the world of boxing that are but super punch out is definitely my favorite sports game from that era yeah i think that's a good i didn't you know honestly i didn't even think of boxing at all and i think punch out is an excellent choice <laughs> yeah so is I know that it's on the Super Nintendo Classic. Is it on this um, the Switch Super Nintendo Online service too? I think it might be. I feel like I feel like it probably is. I think that I have played it there, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay, I, I I still haven't played that one. I think my I want to say that my one of my sons has, but I haven't touched that one. Okay. Yes, uh, it is. It is included. It is. Oh, well, I guess I know what I'm going to do in a, in a couple of weeks from today. So I wrote down a list of, like, I was, you know, when Jeremy and I were just talking about what we were going to do, um, and once we talked about sports games, I started writing down sports games I could think of that I played that I liked. And uh, I think one of the ones I'm going to go with right off the bat, oh, man. Yeah, I've got four here that I really like, so I'm going to have to really narrow this down. I'm going to say NBA Street Volume 2. Hmm. I played this on the GameCube, and I like how it's very similar to uh, NBA Jam without being NBA Jam. So it's a three-on-three game. You have a creator player, and you have so many points to spend, so you can you know, use it, you can spend the points to, you know, for their weight and even their height. But then what kind of what kind of basketball player do you want them to be? So I know for mine, I created this really tall shot blocker. And 
the good things about NBA street is that you can go tend and it's not, doesn't penalize you. So I just, I would hang out under the basket and just grab every ball because my guy would do that. He was like 6'10", 250. So it was uh, not a problem for him. Or you can make someone who's really good with assist, you know, really agile, who can, you know, shoot the three and all that stuff. And the way that it would go is that you would pick a, a crew of, you know, three people. So it'd be you and two other people and you would play other teams. And if you beat them, you could grab one of their players to have on this roster. So you could have, I want to say you could have like five people on your roster, but you would always choose three for a game. And eventually you would play NBA players. You know, some of the, not the really high profile ones, but the lower rank ones. And you beat them. So you start adding them. So these scrubs that you had from the pickup games on the courts would be replaced with actual NBA players. And I, I love the rosters, and I, especially at the time that it was out. So it had the players that I really, really liked. So, you know, big Spurs fan. So I could play as I could have Tim Duncan on my team. I had Tony Parker running point, or you might get so lucky to grab the, uh, was it 96 or 98 Michael Jordan? So Jordan in his prime. And it was, it's like, okay, now that we got Jordan, we're going to be set. But then I also had these, like, uh, it's like street, uh, I'm not saying this right. It's like, you know, just legends of, of, of the court, not like NBA, but of like the street court. Mm-hmm. And there's just, you know, fun caricatures and, you know, as you're, it's not just straight up basketball. So you would do these, these fun moves. So using a combination of the trigger buttons on the GameCube controller and A or B, you could do fun little, you know, like, oh, you're going to break their ankles or you're going to, you know, dribble behind your back and, you know, pick out the opponent. And it would all give you these, it would give you these trick points and you build up this trick meter. And once it was filled up, then it was like being on fire from NBA Jam and you could do some really crazy you know, off the wall plays. And it was just so much fun to do that and just pummel the opponent. And it was a, you know, it wasn't played in periods. It was just like a, you know, first to 21. So classic, you know, street ball rules. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, I, need, I really want to go back and play some more of that. It's, it's been a while, but it was, uh, it, it's great. So much fun. So if you have it, if you can find it, Go for it. And that's one of those franchises I really wish they'd bring back with modern rosters. Um, and I, I know I've mentioned it on the show before, but it's it's fantastic for me. <laughs> so how about you, Patrick? Well, this was a tough one for me. I'm not a big sports fan, either, uh, both in life or in video game form. Uh, but, I mean, I have played some sports uh, games. My family are very sports oriented my my dad and my middle brother in particular played a lot of golf played a lot of hockey so on and so forth my parents tried to put me through soccer baseball all of it but uh i refused <laughs> I, made them, <laughs> I made them regret it <laughs> uh so i i was able to to scrounge up a few though that i remember playing and enjoying uh and looking through them I'm going to go with the first kind of more traditional, more straight-laced sports game on here. And that's uh, Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey on the Nintendo 64. Hmm. Which is um, probably one of the 
only sports games, only traditional sports games I can think of that I was uh, actively obsessed with uh, playing with friends, with my brothers, with my parents, so on. Uh, and it came out on the Nintendo 64 and the arcade in 96. So this is kind of prime for me too. I'm kind of early teen, uh, preteen-ish. Um, it was developed by Williams originally and then published by Midway once it came to the Nintendo 64. So they kind of, you know, they have their hands in the whole arcade scene and everything. Um, and apparently, and this was an interesting tidbit that I found, was that it was the first ever four-player simultaneous N64 game, which kind of shocked me, um, which which was probably why it had so much hype, at least um, when I was playing it. <laughs> um, so it's an arcade-style hockey game, so it's not a simulation. Um, you know, it's kind of like the NBA Jam to hockey. Right. Uh, so it had power moves. You can do things like power saves where the goalie will turn into a brick wall to block the net. Um, or you'll get power shots, which will set the net on fire. Or you can knock the goalie into the net. Uh, you'd also have power checks, which would like injure the players and they bring in the ambulance and so on. <laughs> <laughs> this is your straight lace game, huh? This is my straight. This is as close <laughs> as I'm getting. <laughs> And, I mean, they did have a simulation mode in it where it, you know, mimics real hockey, but no one played that one. You're, you're in there for the, the power checks and setting the nets on fire and everything. <laughs> the, the one last interesting tidbit I was able to find about this game was that because it was published by Midway and ported to the Nintendo, 6 by, Nintendo 64 by them, uh, they originally wanted to put fatalities in the game. <laughs> and but ultimately decided not to. That's too bad. That would have yeah. set it head and shoulders above anything else on uh, exactly. Nintendo 64. And, and I think about it, and it's probably the most Canadian thing that I could say is that <laughs> I, I liked a hockey game when I was younger. But you know, my parent, my dad in particular, and my middle middle brother, very much into hockey for a very long time. So that's my first pick. Nice. I mean, resident. You know, Canadian picking hockey. I mean, we, we don't, don't want to dabble in stereotypes, but you know. Uh, so, yeah. Mike, what was your what's another game you had? Is one of your top so, sports games. This one's going to be a lot more recent, um, as far as sports games for me goes, and that's going to be um, Fitness Boxing Two: Rhythm and Exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy this game and I know it's not going to be for everybody. It's, you know, motion controls and everybody loves motion controls, but um, it does a really good job of mixing fun motions uh, into the exercise and also tying it in with mostly good music. Um, And then does a good job of keeping me, on pace with things. So it's just a really fun way to stay active and learn a little bit about boxing and how that works. Um, I'm not going to say that I could go and box somebody, but uh, I feel like I would do better than I would have before I started playing the game. So there's that. And this is on the switch. I don't know if I said that, but yeah, on the Nintendo switch, excellent game. Highly recommend for anyone looking to uh, exercise on the switch. Right. Yeah. It's interesting how much 
like doing those punches and everything really kind of wear out your arms and your shoulders and everything. It's a good workout, you know, boxing Indeed it in is. general. And it sounds like it's better than the Wii boxing because I remember trying to do Wii boxing a couple of times. I felt like I was just, I'm just flailing my arms with absolutely <laughs> zero strategy involved. You just, just flick your wrists. That's all you got to do on the Wii. Just flick yep. your wrists. And you get oh, well. the most powerful punches, minimal effort. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I almost included Wii Sports on my list, uh, really just on the strength of Wii Bowling, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, I've taught my children how to position themselves to, you know, good, at least 50%, if not, you know, higher percentage of the time, getting a strike. Like, right. Move your character here, hold the Wii controller just like this, and then flick your wrist when you bring it up, and you're going to be fine. Yeah, no matter what, it's an honorable mention because that oh. was a craze. Well, I mean, it's, I would like right now, I'd, I'd still go play it right now. If you get oh, yeah. me and the boys playing it, and especially when I start getting on a roll with the strikes, they get so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, sorry, guys. I, I, I got so mad. Oh, here, one of the last times I played, I had eight strikes in a row to start the game. I'm like, I'm finally going to get my perfect 300. And then one pin didn't fall, and then it was oh. all over from there. Stun. It was glitching. See, probably that was going to be my number three. Now, now I got to brainstorm and come up with a number three because I was going to go with the full boxing theme there. But well, um, if, well, there goes my thunder, Ryan. There it goes right out the window. <laughs> you could always do Wii Sports Resort or whatever it's called. So I haven't played that one, and I want to keep it oh, honest. Okay. okay. Well, you can still include Wii Sports just because I happen to say something. Good grief. <laughs> That's okay. I, I was actually considering replacing it anyway with something that came to mind. Yeah, I've got to make a tough choice here for, for my next one. But uh, you know what? I'll save the tough choice for the for the top one. Uh, so I'm going to throw in Golf Story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like a good golf game. Mm-hmm. And Golf Story... Gives me a good golf game with the the classic, you know, mechanics of setting the the power and setting the accuracy with the meter sliding across the bottom like you have in a lot of the Mario golf games. Um, but it's to me, it's better than Mario golf in the fact that there is a story to it. There is this RPG element, and the writing is really really funny. And it's not just golf; like there is disc golf. There's some other different modes, some other weird stuff that's going on there. And the courses you play on are just as weird and varied as what you would find on a Mario Golf course. There could be something that is, you know, nice and posh. You could be playing in, you know, this desert environment or a haunted uh, house, uh, like a Halloween environment, or, you know, a golf course that's really not as, you know, clean as it should be, or on ice. Each one of them presenting their own unique challenges, whether it's wind or the, or the terrain or some of the other obstacles that you run into. I don't know, it's just so fun and with this fantastic pixel art style and you're just running around on the course to, you know, talk to people, do side quests, and then you just, you know, play around, uh, compete against whoever the person is for that particular level and then hear the announcers talk crap about you, even though you won. Um, <laughs> it's so if, you, if you've never played that, but you, you do appreciate, you know, fun golf games, you, you've got to give that a try. It is, it, it is, it is superb. Um, 
And if you don't believe me, there are a lot of other people on the internet who will back me up. So <laughs> I've heard really good things about golf story. Um, mm -hmm. I never enough to run out and try it, but uh, I have heard good things. Yeah, didn't they well, make another game as well? Um, they're working on sports story. Oh, okay. Okay. They, it was mentioned, gosh, in a direct, maybe even sometime last year. Now I, time has no meaning anymore to me, <laughs> yeah. um, but they haven't, I haven't heard anything about it recently. So I, I think one of the last things that we heard that there was no date, but I think there was one particular element of the game because it wasn't supposed to be just a single sport, but encompassing a bunch, like a wide variety of sports while still keeping the same, you know, golf story atmosphere and riding and aesthetic. Um, but I think I heard that there was a particular component that they kept adding to, they kept expanding because it was just so much fun to work on and they really liked that part. And so they've just, it sounds like they've really just expanded the whole game in general. So I'm really excited to see what they're going to, what they're going to uh, bring out. Yeah, it does look cool. But yeah, Mike, if you like, like a good golf game with, you know, the, the slotting mechanic for setting your shots and stuff and paying attention to the wind and you like the, 8 bit, 16 bit, 16 bit pixel art style. Um, look for it when it goes on sale. You know, yeah. 10 bucks or so, I think you get a lot of fun out of it. I, I had a lot of fun playing uh, Kirby's Dream Course. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's, you know, at all like playing golf there, I know that's, you know, one of those wackier sports games, but if it's at all like playing golf there, then, you know, it could be worth checking out, especially if it's got a really good story to go along with it. Yeah, it's Kirby's Dream Course is a bit different. I mean, this one tries to play like a golf game. Like you do have holes uh, that you've got to hit the ball into. Um, you you work through your different clubs with your woods and your irons and your um, your wedges, um, trying to get yourself out of a, a sand dune or deep rough or whatever. Um, so I think you need a bit more than what you would have for Kirby's Dream Course, but it's still very satisfying whenever you can, you know, you know, chip in for Eagle. You just, you know, you, you line up just right and you've, you've read the, uh, you've read the green, you, you've read the terrain and the wind just right. And it goes in, you're like, there's this victory that you have. It feels so good. Plus there's a, don't want to spoil it too much, but there is a rap battle with some seniors. Nice. I've said too much. Nice. <laughs> Sold. Yeah. So, so, so Patrick, um, <laughs> Digging deep into the well. Digging so deep. What was the next game you came up with? <laughs> uh, since you went with golf, I think I might go with golf as well. <clears throat> That's another thing my family is uh, deep into, so their influence has rubbed off on me. Uh, I do enjoy a good golf game, um, despite not enjoying playing the real thing. <laughs> which is probably one of the most frustrating games in the entire world. But uh, my first initial pick was going to be True Golf Classics Wildlife Country Club on the Super Nintendo. But I think that's more like a fever dream than uh, an actual like of mine. This was like the game that my dad made me play with him when I was <laughs> younger. <laughs> uh, so what I ended up on was... Um, and you mentioned it, Mario Golf. In particular, I picked Mario Golf Toadstool Tour on the GameCube. Nice. Uh, yeah. I See, I like arcade sports games, and I know that you were mentioning 
golf story having more substance. But I find like I I approach sports games like I approach like shoot 'em ups. They're kind of like I can turn my brain off and just go with the flow kind of thing. You know what I mean? So uh, you know you play them to kill an hour or something. So when I think of golf, I think of well Mario Golf or I think of Hot Shots Golf. And Mario Golf came first, so or you know came first to my mind. Um, this one in particular, though, uh, you know, we get characters like Petey Piranha and obviously Mario, Luigi, all the cast. And um, what was interesting that I found out was that this is the third one in the series. Apparently, they consider NES Open Tournament Golf on the uh, to be the first one in the series. Hmm. I didn't think this. Uh, yeah, and what what I always liked about these was that you had all the characters from the Mario universe, and each of them kind of had their own play style, their own stats, which would affect, you know, how you could do spins, how you would do a hook, or you would, you know, and so on. Uh, how well they played on the green, you know, if they're better chippers, you know, they're better in the sand or in the rough, whatever. And I always found that the dynamics of it, where you could have the special moves to do the... You know, you could hit a 500-yard drive or get a hole-in-one on a par-5, things like that. Um, I always thought that was super fun. It's kind of like playing Tiger Woods Golf, but <laughs> which is supposed to be a sim, but apparently he can make hole-in-ones on a, on a par-5. Um, I'll have to look into that one. <laughs> this one was also a cool tool. You, like, you had a, a bunch of different courses, and each of those would have... Uh, their own pitfalls and traps and terrain they had to encounter. They had things like lava, um, quicksand, so on. So, you know, it spiced it up a lot better than Wiley Golf on the Super Nintendo, in my opinion. But, you know, mm, yeah, it's just my Well, opinion. I think that one, when you're talking about on the Super Nintendo, that was more of a, wasn't supposed to be more like sim-like. So the golf yes. courses were real-life golf courses. So you weren't having to worry about, like, one of the, and one of the courses in Toadstool Tour is that you're playing up in the treetops mm-hmm. in this Donkey Kong themed one and all the holes are par three. <laughs> yeah. And it's so easy to knock the ball out of the trees. Right. Yeah. It's so fun. I like the arcadiness of it because it, um, you know, golf is fun on its own. It's fun to try to get those uh, perfect chips or hole-in-ones on par threes and so on. But when you add the extra spice of having ridiculous traps or ridiculous power-ups and things like that, you know, it just brings it brings a little more flavor to the formula. So that's I, my next pick. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. <laughs> so, Mike, do you have another boxing game? Or are you going to stick with uh, Wii Sports and the boxing, or did, you, or did you change your mind? I changed my mind. I was going to go with the Wii Sports to round out the, the boxing trio, but uh, there was another game that came to mind that was too good to pass up. And that, for me, was Bassin's Black Bass with Hank Parker on the Super Nintendo. It, I just... I had, I hadn't been thinking about it when we were talking about sports games, but then Patrick started talking, and then I remembered a conversation we had about, you know, <laughs> fishing games, and, and this came to mind, and it, it's one of my my favorite, probably my favorite fishing game of all time. Um, it just has mm-hmm. a really excellent, like, chill-out soundtrack. Um, 
it, like all the levels are like a tournament style affair where you get like you catch go out and catch five different fish and like the highest weight of compared to everybody else wins like they average out the weight of all five of your fish or the top three or something i forget exactly how it goes uh but you know you can care about that if you want but like the fun part is going out and catching the other fish like because it's only you're only supposed to catch bass for the tournament but you can go out and catch like pike and bluegill and all these other things that are like huge or, or tiny and just and play that way and so that's what i really enjoyed to do um and then it was cool because you got the – I don't know who Hank Parker is outside of this game, but apparently he's a, <laughs> an expert fisherman. And he would go with you for the first couple of levels to teach you about where to fish and what to use and how to use the different lures uh, within the context of the game. And that was pretty cool. And then, like, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the game is if you go to the right spots and do the right things, you can find extra – lures that you can use and so it makes it you know uh, that extra layer of, of depth in the game and i think there's four tournaments overall and they go to, like the four different locations uh i think i only ever got to the third one before i was like okay that's enough but like i still really enjoyed my time that i spent with the game and i, I think it's a fantastic fishing game especially uh, on a 16-bit system. I, I've played some later fishing games. Uh, I think I played one on the Dreamcast, and it was, like, from the perspective of the hook, and mm. it was really awkward. I, I didn't I didn't like that. But, uh, yeah, this is just, like, a top-down uh, affair, and it's just a really solid fishing game. And if, if you have it in your collection, you've never tried it, or you have a way to get it, I, I would highly recommend playing this this game if you enjoy fishing yeah that's kind of my white whale i've been trying to find this game and i keep getting the wrong one <laughs> well i thought i thought you have a, i thought you had a fishing game patrick like i a, i have a couple of them uh and they're I all went, the same right no <laughs> they look the same <laughs> they, they don't look they like this certainly one. not yeah what was no, the one I, you had that was a just a oh goodness uh you know, hot trash in the summer uh, all I remember is uh, I considered it on my backlog, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to play it because I ran, I randomly drew it, and and I started playing it, and, and it's so frustrating. I didn't know how it worked, and I said, if I catch one fish, I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> you, caught, you caught one fish, and roll then credits, I threw it but then the it's just the title screen. You only <laughs> yeah. made it to the title screen. I was watching, I was watching the uh, what's it called, the uh, the attract mode. <laughs> oh goodness ah, so I was supposed to have made a decision here <sighs> number two number two yep the one on the bottom I'm actually not going to pick that one okay so the the, the number two that I'm not picking is NCAA football 2005 okay um, so just a little side story about like me and football is that I didn't understand or get football until I was in college and one of my friends who had bought season tickets, but he was in the band. So this is the tickets were pointless to him because he was going to be at the games anyway. So I bought the tickets off of him and I went to like five home games that year and really got into it and loved it. And I started playing um, uh, one of the NCAA football games on the PC 
and just kind of grew from there. And so <clears throat> uh, NCAA football 2005 was one that, you know, I put way too much time into, but I'm not picking that one instead of picking another EA game, because I mean, Hey, we're talking about sports. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's EA sports. It's, it's in the game. <laughs> um, uh, SSX tricky. Okay. The GameCube. Okay. Uh, most people don't believe me when I tell this story, but um, this was one of those games that I rented from Blockbuster when I was living in San Antonio. And I had so much fun with the game that I went and I returned it to the store and I went out and I bought the game. Huh. It was, I think, one of the biggest hooks that it, one of the biggest reasons it got hooks, it, excuse me, one of the biggest reasons that it got its hooks into me was just that the repetition of Run DMC's tricky. So every time you would do a trick, you build up your tricky meter and the music would start playing softly in the background. But when you get your meter filled up all the way, it just comes on full blast and you're just jamming to tricky. And it, 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 it was a blast. You know, mm-hmm. you're snowboarding down the hills, punching your opponents, trying to get them to wipe out, trying to time your jumps just right. And, you know, some of the courses had, you know, bonuses where you could, you know, double, triple uh, your your score or make you spin faster in the air, make you go faster downhill. Um, and there were secret paths that you could do. You could, you know, grind on rails or fall on trees. Um, and it was, oh, I just had so much fun. And you would level up your characters so you can make them go faster, make them stronger, help them, you know, turn the corners a little bit better or, you know, jump higher. And I... Gosh, I don't know how many hours I poured poured into that game. I think I maxed out almost every character. And it was... I, I wish I could still play that version as it, as it was today, but I, I can't. You know, there's SSX3, and which is very close to it. And then there was SSX, which they, I think came out after that. And although they're good, and especially 3, because I think I still have that on the GameCube... It lacked, I don't know, it just lacked what SSX Tricky had. So I think to me, that's just one of those sports games that is it's one of my favorites. Can go back to it anytime, get that music going, do the crazy tricks where I'm, you know, flying through the air and then my character is like doing the worm on <laughs> uh, on his on his board, making sure that you stop doing that so that you can land safely and then be victorious. Yeah, snowboarding. Honorable mention, now that you're talking about it, 1080 snowboarding on the Nintendo 64. That's a good now, one. I, I really wonder, speaking of Nintendo 64, and we mentioned the Nintendo Direct, they showed, I think, eight or ten games, maybe 11, uh, they're going to be launching when they do this upgraded version of the Nintendo Switch Online stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting if they were to throw something like 1080 on there. I know that I think if Mario Golf isn't one of the launch ones, I know it's supposed to be eventually coming out because they did show titles that would eventually make their way. Right. Yeah. It'd be nice to guess dive into some of those games that I heard were good. Well, it's funny is that, and I didn't realize it until just now, is that 1080 was actually developed by Nintendo. So it's very possible. Yes, not one of those weird, oh, it was actually developed by Rare, but published by Nintendo, so we'll never see it. <laughs> uh, it's saying it was developed by Nintendo EAD, so it was in-house. Nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right, Patrick, were you able to find a third game? I sure was. Was it a, was it a Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball? Oh, that would have been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done it. I should have done it. I didn't I should, even think I should, of I should have slipped the note to you before we recorded. You're right. Oh, okay. So my final one, uh, another influence from my family. So my grandfather was a big baseball fan. Uh, he played baseball for many years. Um, but I still didn't want, you know, your traditional baseball sim. Didn't want to play any, you know, uh, M- MLB, MLB. Yeah. Uh, so what I picked, and this is going back to the NES era, uh, even before Super Punch-Out. Uh, this is 8-bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the game I'm going with is Cyber Stadium Series base wars on the nes now this was a really interesting one this is one that i remember renting a lot because the cover of it is so cool you got a whole bunch of robots the uh playing baseball uh the guy at bat has like tank treads for feet uh and the guy oh. shoot <laughs> and he's shooting now the ball. yeah he's shooting the ball out of an arm cannon <laughs> the pitcher um, so this game came out in 91, uh, it was developed by Konami, uh, you know, published under their ultra games label and it's your basic video baseball game, uh, based in the 24th century <laughs> where all the overpaid athletes, uh, have been replaced by robots. <laughs> it's an amazing premise. Uh, the graphics are actually really, really good for the NES, uh, the robots look really cool. You have four different robots that you can choose from. Well, not really choose from. Each type of robot plays a position. So you have the baseman, you have the outfielders, you'll have the pitcher and the batter. So they'll all have their own style of robot. And um, what made this game unique was that you could upgrade these your players uh, to give them better stats so they're better at playing baseball, like hitting balls, hitting home runs, you know, running from base to base, so on. Uh, and you can also get into fights. You can get into robot fights while you're playing it. Uh, primarily when uh, force plays happen, so, you know, when the player is forced to run to the next base, you can battle the baseman for the base. And uh, if you win, you destroy them. And if the opposing or if either team loses three robots, they forfeit. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I think we need to have one of those remade. Where's Konami on that one? See, that reminds me of a game that I know that Grouchy has played, which is a I can't remember the name of it. The Mutant League Football. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And. When you were, you know, I've got my list of some weird wacky games that have come out that are technically sports games, but are kind of out there. And when you were mentioning that one, my mind instantly went to Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball for the Super Nintendo. (laughs) That is an amazing name. Combat Basketball. (laughs) I don't know if you do. I don't know if you remember Bill Lambeer. No, I don't know. He was one of the enforcer type guys for the Detroit Pistons back in the 80s, maybe even the 70s. So he was on the team with, oh, uh, was it Joe Dumar? Um, but Isaiah Thomas, 
like they played rough and th- this was back when you know a foul was a foul not <laughs> someone whipped at me and i fell down and you know you shoot free throws right right oh yeah look in the, the cover it's like they're gladiators you know like the, oh, the yeah. gladiator tv show yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like red and, and silver armor oh yeah I can, I can i can still picture that like what like missiles flying by <laughs> So Amazing. what were some of the like honorable mentions or you might even call them dishonorable mentions like mm. Bill and Beer's combat basketball? So for me, the honorable mentions, my, my, well, what's going to be my second honorable mention was going to be that mutant league football for uh, the Sega Genesis. Uh, it's just really fun to watch as you obliterate the other team. Uh, play different types of monsters or skeletons or aliens and they can explode depending on how hard you tackle them it was really cool uh back in the day uh, beyond that i have uh tony hawk's pro skater underground um this is the first like story-based uh tony hawk game that they came out with uh played a ton of it on the playstation 2 they uh had online support at the time. So I could go and, and play online with other people, which was fun. Um, and then for a third honorable mention for the Nintendo 64, uh, snowboard kids is just a, a fantastic, fun little snowboarding game that you made me think of with your 1080 snowboarding. And then and I, I think, I think we would get yelled at if we, if we didn't mention Jeremy's favorite sports game, uh, Inazuma 11. I think that's what it is. Yeah, we would be in a lot of trouble if we didn't mention yeah. that one. So there you go, Jeremy. My heart goes out to you in Azuma 11. <laughs> you love that game. Feel better, sir. Yeah, when we were having this discussion, that was something that he he did mention. But but yeah, it, <laughs> and we'll we'll leave space for you know the people who aren't here, Jeremy and Grouchy, to you know make submissions. But um, for some reason, Jeremy had it in his head that. You know, Tecmo Super Bowl was the oh. the best game out there, mm-hmm. and I that's, that's where we ended the call. I had enough of his ranting and raving about <laughs> Tecmo stuff. Um, so here's here's some that you know I would throw out there. I don't know if you guys remember some of these. Uh, so when we talked about NBA Jam, uh, another game that came to my mind was one that was set up just outside of the Walmart where I grew up, and it was Arch Rivals. Mm. So, I, th- I think it, I think it was a two-on-two basketball game, but I mean, it had a bit more violence than what you would have in NBA Jam. So NBA Jam, you would shove people, but in this one, you could punch people. I think there were other items that you could use to hurt them. I don't know. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised yeah. nobody mentioned uh, Pit Fighter. I don't know if I've. You don't know. You could. You could have just. You could just could have forgot that existed. That would have been just fine. Digitized graphics. It's never going to get better than this. Uh, it could be playable. <laughs> that would be better. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures of it now. Of Pit Fighter. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch a review. Did you, did you not. Watch a review. You'll you'll see. Uh, this is a very much dishonorable um, oh. mention. It's just like oh, yeah. really beefy guys with leotards on. It is like jank, flexing at each it other. Is jank to the max because <laughs> it wasn't like a it wasn't like a side scrolling beat 'em up. You had you know depth to it, and if you weren't on the exact same level, 
you weren't going to be able to connect. It was, <laughs> it, it was bad. It was one of those things that, you know, right at the very beginning in the, you know, when digitized graphics was just being born mm-hmm. is one of those games that was promoted as like, you know, this is the future. Um, I also had on here some games I thought of uh, California games. I know I played the mess oh, out yeah. of that yeah. back on the PC and a game that I played a ton of on the Commodore 64 was uh, one-on-one basketball featuring, or it was Dr. J versus Larry Bird. And so you either picked Dr. J or you picked Larry Bird and it was one-on-one basketball. And yep, that's why you know, learned my, you know, picked up a lot of basketball knowledge was playing that game. And, and I'm not, and that, that is not a, that is not a dishonorable mention. That is an honorable mention because for like five-year-old me, that was a fantastic game. So how about you, Patrick? Any other ones you're able to come up with? And don't say Stardew Valley because it's got a fishing mechanic or anything like that. <laughs> I was trying I was trying to see if I could fit in like Zelda for its fishing minigame or Final Fantasy 15 or something like that. But um, you could maybe get away with Link's crossbow training. Oh, yeah. Well, I think Final Archery Fantasy is a sport. Or Final Fantasy 10 has that, you know, oh, sports ball arena. Thing. Yeah, blitz ball. I haven't, haven't gotten there because, you know, I played the game for 45 minutes once, you know, a year and a half ago. So Right, right. Uh, I want to say one of the honorable mentions is volleyball on the NES. Surprisingly good. Another one that's part of the whatever it's called. Uh, Kun? City Ransom universe. It's like with it was it Kunio-kun? Kunio-kun, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they good also game. Like, Surprisingly and, good game. And Super Dodgeball. Yep. Or maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Either way. Well, they, they, I think they had both. And I think they, I'm yeah. not sure if both of them are included on that uh, Kunio Kun collection that came out on the Switch that right. included River City Ransom and some of those other games. Yeah, whichever one it was, or if it's both, they're pretty fun, surprisingly so. Um, especially back in the day when, you know, sports games weren't exactly that sophisticated. And they really went the arcadey route, which I think they really needed to, uh, you know. Uh, other than that, I don't. This is this is kind of a left field kind of thing. Uh, it's a nice taxi. sports term. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy taxi. Sticking with it. It's not racing. It's not racing. You might as well have said, you know, <laughs> you know, jet set radio. Hey, uh, that's probably a better answer, actually. <laughs> or, or how about Skitchen? No one wanted to throw that on a dishonorable mention. How about Cooking Mama? That's not a sport. <laughs> um, I know there was, it was either a Peanuts, like Snoopy-themed one, or maybe Looney Tunes. I remember playing it as a kid. I cannot remember what it was. So, What, what kind of game? It was like a um, a variety sports game, kind of like the Olympics kind of thing. Wasn't ti- wasn't Tiny Toons? Was it? Might have been Tiny Toons. It was something like that, anyway. Okay. Um, real answer though. Mm, oh. Windjammers. You know, I was waiting for someone to say that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I just had this thought of, uh, was it Winter Olympic Games? Or winter mm-hmm. games, I remember whenever we would could go to the computer labs, you know, the little whatever Apple computers we had, right, and 
yeah, doing the, the, you know, whether it was the, um, shoot, why can't I think of that? Like bobsled or the cross country skiing with the, you know, the shooting that you had to do played a ton of that. So good. But duck hunt. What? At least in my mind, it was so good. <laughs> if I went back to it now, I'd be like, what, what was wrong with, you know, 12 year old me? Right. Right. Oh, another one. Uh, ready to rumble on the Dreamcast. Hmm. Well, and they've um, they've just released a game that has a very similar art style, but it has like characters from the Rocky franchise. Oh, okay. And I think there was a game that I want to say that Jeremy played a year or two ago. Um, was it Pato Box? Like a black and white, like you. Oh were, yes, like a, a yeah, duck you're head a duck boxer. Yep, yep. That's a good. That's a really good one, actually. I mean, that would fit very well into what Mike's been playing. Yeah. If you like boxing, Mike, you should try Paddle Box. It's good. I think it's on the it's Xbox. Good. Yep. Among other I think things. that's where I played it. Mike doesn't look sold. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's. You're, you're acting a little bit uh, sus, as the kids would say. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about what we have been playing. I'm looking at what you've been playing here, Patrick, and mm-hmm. uh, I want to know more. All right, so I've been... Uh, I played a bunch of games since the last time we talked, but these are the most recent ones that I've finished up. Uh, the first being, and this is kind of a two-parter, um, uh, the first being Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages on the Game Boy Color. Then we finished uh, Oracle of Seasons probably about three or so weeks ago, and we just finished Ages like two days ago or something. And... Um, this is one of my favorites from childhood. Uh, you know, the the handheld Zeldas, in my mind, don't get quite as much fanfare as I feel they deserve. And the Oracle games on the Game Boy Color uh, were developed by Capcom, uh, who also developed Minish Cap. And all three of these are some of my favorite Zeldas, 2D Zeldas. And uh, they kind of take what you love about Link's Awakening and basically expand upon it, you know, three or four fold. Um, the premise is you have two games. So think of like Pokemon Red and Blue, uh, where you can link them together. But the way that this works is that, so we started with seasons. You play out the seasons story. Um, you know, it's about, say, a 20 hour adventure. You have eight dungeons. Uh, the whole premise is that the Oracle of Seasons gets captured by the big bad, and you have to save her. And in order to do that, you have to find all of the elements of the seasons, or nature, or whatever they called it. And once you do, you'll fight the boss. You free Din, who is the Oracle of Seasons in this. Uh, and then at the end, once you beat the game, you can talk to... So there's a big tree. It's called a Maku tree. Inside of it is a lady, and you can talk to her, and she said, I have a secret to get to this other place. She gives you this giant, complicated code that you can then take over to Ages, enter it there, and you don't start with what you had in uh, in the previous game, but it does give you some benefits. It, it continues the story, so everybody you talk to knows that you've just come from that other area and that you've defeated the big bad there. And uh, some of the characters that you had the opportunity to name uh, maintain their name in the other game. 
So we called like the little kid that gets born in the game. You get to name it. We called it Spoon. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and in uh, ages, it's, it's still named Spoon. <laughs> uh, one of the mechanics in the game is that you can find and collect rings, which will boost certain stats, like give you higher attack power, or you can throw things further, or your bombs will do more damage, or uh, you'll regain hearts uh, over a period of time, and so on. And you can transfer those over to the second game. So once you beat, get, beat the game, you'll get the code, you bring it over, and now you have all the, the rings that you had in the previous game. So it gives you kind of a leg up. I think you also get an extra heart when you start a continued story in the yeah. second game. Uh, a few other things is the as you're encountering characters in the second game, uh, some of them will give you little codes that you can then take back to the previous game. They'll give you some secrets that will unlock more items in uh, the game you're playing. So, like, you'll get an extra heart, or you'll get the level 3 sword, or you'll get the level 3 shield, and so on. So it was really cool. It was kind of really interesting and innovative, I feel, for the time to be able to continue this story across two games. And, uh, I mean, on top of that... I felt like Capcom did a wonderful job of not only the graphicals uh, prowess or their graphical or technical prowess when it came to the graphics, because they really pulled off some impressive uh, environments and characters and little color tricks because the Game Boy can only have, or each sprite, for example, can only have three colors. Like a palette is four colors, one has to be transparent, so the other three are all they have to color everything. So they're swapping palettes left and right to make these very elaborate looking environments, which is very impressive. Um, But aside from that, I felt like the game design, the level design, uh, and even the writing to be very clever. You get some very interesting uh, items to use in each of the dungeons. And all in all, very, very enjoyable. It was really fun to go back and replay both of them. Uh, and it was the first time my wife played them. I mean, I've been harping about them for a long time. <laughs> so she uh, eventually bought them again for me. I don't know where my original copies went. And she's like, one of these days we're playing this together. And then we sat down, we played them both, and it was very fun. I if I'm not them. mistaken, I think originally they were going to do a set of three uh, games not just the two yeah that would have been cool i would have liked to see that i think i get inklings of remembering such a thing but uh yeah that would be really cool what i found if i was to compare both of them i would say seasons was interesting because of the seasons mechanic so you're able to change the seasons you know winter fall spring and summer and it will change the landscape uh, to allow you to you know progress to different areas. And when you first start, each of the areas have their own season. It's kind of random. That's the whole thing is that uh, the big bad messed up the seasons. So now like it could be winter in one area and summer down here. And eventually you'll get a wand that you'll progressively get ways to change the seasons manually. And then that's how they open up the world to you. 
is they allow you to change the season in these areas. They'll allow you to get to different places, sometimes to new dungeons, sometimes just to get new items and so on. Seasons felt like a Link's Awakening Plus with an interesting seasons mechanic. You'll get something like the the Magnet Glove, which uh, allows you to pull things towards you, or you can kind of uh, repel yourself if there's a block, this kind of like magnetic block. It has a pull, so if you do the opposite pull, it'll push you away, or it'll suck you in. You do the same, it'll push you away, and so on. It was kind of cool. Ages, though, I felt was the way that I the way that I described it was I feel like ages was the one they did first because that's where all their good ideas went. That's where they were the most clever. They did the most different things. Um, they had some of the cooler weapons in there. Um, I'm trying to think of which one in particular, but anyway, anyway, the bosses, they had clever mechanics. Uh, I just very much enjoyed them. Still one of my favorites and I would love to see, Nintendo make a remaster to these like they did with the uh, Link's Awakening. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I've been harping on that for years now. Mm-hmm. A remaster like Link's Awakening would be or Link's Awakening would be great. But at this point, even just a collection. Oh would yeah, be good too to play on the Switch. And like if games like uh, Trials of Mana are any like barometer to measure it against like you could release the collection first and then come out with the remake later and probably yes. double dip those people yeah that was i know so cool. a lot of people picked up the collection of mana and then when trials of mana came out they picked that up too so yep yep yeah it would be it would be, be a really amazing. cool way for them to do it yeah because i think um this came out near the end of the game boy color's life and I want to say that many people missed it, um, which is too bad because it's one of the best for sure. Um, super clever, super fun, interesting story. I really like it. It's just a shame that you have that crazy string of characters. Oh, you know, yeah. Back to the old password oh, days know. of you know, Metroid and you know, Xanadu and all those other NES titles. Yes. That is true. Those, if you see pictures of those codes, they're, they're, uh, they put like Mega Man codes to shame with just the pictures and stuff. It's ridiculous. The other cool see thing that. is uh, when you beat both games, you'll get the Heroes code, which allows you to start from the second game and go backwards, but with all of your rings and stuff. So you can experience the story from both sides or both directions, you know. I get you. Like, uh, like Resident Evil has Claire A, Leon B, Leon B, Claire A. Exactly. Yep. And I, I believe I the the final boss is different based on which direction you go. Nice. Yeah. Hmm. See, but, cool. but those those crazy passwords now that wouldn't be so bad because we all carry a camera in our pockets that instantly yes. develops the pictures yes. back in the day. We didn't have that. We'd have to sit there and write down oh, all yeah. the things in these crazy shapes. And Oh gosh, it was oh, <laughs> to make sure that you were interpreting, you know, the L from the one from the capital I and made sure yes. that you actually uh, drew the square to look like a square and not a triangle or a circle or... <laughs> right. But, I mean, you know, fortunately, one of the things I do like about a lot of the, you know, the codes that you use for redemptions on, like, Nintendo or Xbox mm-hmm. is, you know, they'll say, 
you know, one and I or like zero and O are not used right. in its password or, right. or in the in the redemption code. It's like, oh, that really makes things a lot easier for me, especially on on like Nintendo, you go to redeem a code and you can't even type, you can't even press those keys. Like we don't use them. <laughs> right. Like, thank you. You finally, after yeah. 30 years. Yeah. I, I actually redeemed a, a Nintendo switch code today. And I, I noticed that exact thing you're talking about. It's like, yeah, it's pretty nice. Cause I had a, a zero in there and I was 100% going for the O. So I'm glad it was blocked out. Or yeah. and that would have yeah. been a problem. Especially when they had those matrix printers where the O could look like a D as well and like a oh, capital gosh. D. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other games I've been playing, I played Hades on the PC. Um, this is a game that my brother bought me, I want to say like easily almost two years ago. Thinking back, like 2021 is a complete blur, so I don't really know when I got it, but it was within the last two years that I received it. And I finally got around to playing because all of a sudden it seemed like everybody was playing it. And I kept seeing it everywhere. I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to cave. You know, I'm going to play this on the side. And it turned into an obsession of mine. So it's no longer the side game. It's my primary game. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to go too deep into it because you could literally have an entire podcast on this game by itself. But Hades is a roguelike, you know, top to bottom uh you go it's run based so you'll the whole goal is you are the son of hades named zagreus and you are trying to escape tartarus which is you know hades domain the underworld and in order to do that you have to go through each level of tartarus so you'll start in tartarus you'll go up through now I'm forgetting the names, but like Elysium and so on, and eventually get up to the Temple of Sticks, and that's where you'll fight to get out into the into the uh, surface. Um, the big the the first thing you'll notice about this game is it is absolutely gorgeous. Like the artists in these in this game, top notch. It has this kind of um, comic book style to it. Very dark lines, very dark shading, but it's also very colorful very detailed um even the 3d models which the characters are uh rendered as uh are done in such a way that they blend into the backgrounds as if they were hand drawn um and the and the other thing is it plays really well it's so it, it's actiony you get a bunch of different weapons you get a sword you'll get a uh like gauntlets so you can punch and kick you get uh a, a spear you get a bow and arrow. You even get a like a, a gun that's shaped like an eagle. It's pretty cool. It's a really cool game. And the voice acting and writing, absolutely amazing. Uh, the story plays out per run. So every time you die, the story progresses a little bit. Uh, the characters will say different things. You can form relationships with them to learn more about them. Uh, and then each time you beat it, even more of the story opens up. So you start learning the origins of uh, Zagreus and things about Hades, his father and his mother and his relationships with the different characters like Nyx and who is the goddess of the night and uh, Orpheus, who was, you know, the, he's the court musician for Hades or 
so on and so forth. It's super cool. I love how it's written. I love how the story plays out. It's super addicting because each run is different. And as you play it more, they'll add more challenges. So it's not necessarily you hitting goals. It's you playing so long that they're like, we're going to start giving you different things. So like the first boss that you fight is one of the Furies. As you play more of it, and it could be your progression that's causing this, but they'll start adding more of the Furies. And eventually all three of them will come in at the same time. And then the Hydra that you fight will have different heads each time you fight it, and so on. It's super cool, really addicting, and if you haven't played it, highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I know that just uh, just came to Game Pass, which is probably the reason for the resurgence of people talking about probably. it, but probably. I have so many things that I'm working on right now. I can't promise I'll get to it, but maybe yeah. before it leaves Game Pass. I've always been really hesitant about roguelikes and mm-hmm. – um, until I played Dead Cells, I was like, okay, well, this can actually be really fun. So, yeah. like, and, I, and I've heard that it, it could be better than Dead Cells. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, sounds, I would say. interesting. I would say that, in my mind, it's much more engaging than Dead Cells. Dead Cells was very straight up, this is an action platformer kind of game. There wasn't a ton of story. There may have been a bit. Uh, it's been a long time since I played it. Oh, the, um, the story is hidden in the the environments and the backgrounds and right. But like by the time you get to like your winning run, you've already seen like all of those little bits, and you're not paying attention anymore. You're just okay, right. yeah, I know that was the room where the guy said the thing. I'm gonna keep going. Now. Yes. So that's the thing that Haiti does so well is that it makes each run uh, significant, not necessarily just in a gameplay sense, but in a story sense because. You could occasionally run across uh, characters within each area of your run that they'll give you um, additional boosts that will help you during your run. Oh, that's the other thing is as you're running, you'll get boons. So boons are kind of like the abilities that you'll gain. Like in Dead Cells, you'll get the weapons and you can upgrade them and so on. This one, you get boons, which are, um, it's the gods, the, the the gods from Olympus. They send down these things. They communicate with you, and they're trying to help you escape uh, the underworld. And each one of those is, uh, it can give you stat boosts. It can give you additional abilities. Uh, for example, if you have Zeus, he'll give you abilities that will produce lightning. Or you can get Artemis, which could make you faster, attack faster, so on. You can get um, Dionysus who will, you know, give you things that, uh, like, primarily poison effects and so on. So it's really cool. Really cool game. Definitely recommend it if you ever get a chance to play it. Um, Finally was Adam's Family on the Super Nintendo. Now this one's an interesting one because this is a game that my wife has nostalgia for. This is one she has always talked to me about playing when she was a kid. Um, So... We bought a copy of it. It was like, hey, we'll play it together. I made you play Zelda. We'll play Adam's Family. Uh, that's, that's not really a, a fair, <laughs> fair trade. I get the impression that Patrick makes her play a lot of things. I feel like it probably was long overdue. Oh, my goodness. This game was punishment, I could tell. I could tell. Um, it was, was, it, was this one that was uh, based off of the movie? Yes. So this is the, the first movie. Um, you play as Gomez. It's an action platformer. 
you're trying to save all of the family members. So you're trying to save like Pugsley and Wednesday and um, trying to think of the grandma. I forget her name. And Fester. Fester. Yes. And eventually Morticia. She's the last one that you have to save. And when you when you save everybody else. The biggest thing about this game is that it is horrible. It's horrible. I mean, it, <laughs> that might be a little harsh. It's not horrible. It's it's better it's, than a certain bass fishing game. <laughs> I at least beat this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the controls are so slippery. The music, there's literally one song that plays everywhere. It's not even that one. That one plays. <laughs> that one plays only when you're going to go in the area, like with the piano and stuff with Lurch. Uh, but it play. I think. Well, I'm sorry. It, two songs. There's the Hub World song, and then there's the song that plays in every stage. And yeah, the controls are slippery. The hitboxes are weird. This game is absolutely punishing. Like they give you, <laughs> they give you bazillions of lives to get through it, and you would think that's enough. But it is not. They give you little secrets that you can find. I mean, we were going, we tried one run to get one of the characters with like 23 lives. We got to the boss of that area with like two lives left. Oh, gosh. I know. It's, it was ridiculous. And we had one caveat is that we couldn't use save states. So the only time we could use a save state would be after we beat a boss and we were in the hub area. It gives you infinite continues. So we justified it in that if we die, you're always at the hub area. So we're allowed to save at the hub area only. Why, why do you, why do you want to hurt yourself? This is not what I, this is, I don't understand this. We have these conveniences in life I know. for a reason. You know, I know. We embrace the rewind button. It's okay. Yeah. You can, you can use save states. It'll be okay. You don't have He's to hurt Patrick. Right, you don't right. have to hurt. <laughs> I, I mean, but we did end up beating it like within t- two or three sittings. So it's not a very long game. Even if we did die hundreds of times, we did get through it. It's not bad. It's not that great. The bosses at least weren't very difficult despite its horrible controls and so on. But yeah, Adam's family. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, so, sorry that you had to go through that. Um, I, well, I'll be honest. I have not completed anything this month that I can think of. Um, I've been all over the board, really. Uh, it, I haven't spent as much time playing as I was during the summer, just with the new semester starting and with the kids and everything. It's just been a little bit more hectic. Um, I have played a bit of Ring Fit Adventure. I restarted my file because uh, it was on a different switch. So I was trying to do that, you know, to supplement not walking so much. And so I made it through, I, think I made it to the third world. Um, I've kind of fallen off of that a little bit. Like I said, I was doing some of those exercises, um, you know, off of the game. So to me, that's still good. I'm still getting the exercise. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I played a bit of uh, the Art of Rally, uh, you know, Game Pass game don't know if I really want to go back to that. Mm-hmm. don't really care for the controls, for the rally controls. It's not really my kind of thing. Uh, it was a neat-looking game, so I can at least give it that. Um, I did pick up the Sega Genesis collection, and 
played a couple of games. I think I played a bit of Shining Force. Hmm. I don't know that that's really for me. I think there's still a lot of learning that I need to do to make it enjoyable. Um, it's just kind of a shame that I don't have an instruction manual to flip through and read all about. Maybe I can. Maybe I should find one online just to mm. get a better idea of what I should be doing and what some of the controls are. I played some Streets of Rage 3, I think. That's the one you shared pictures of anyway. Right. I was playing as Blaze, so Mike was there and I found some trash turkey. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great combination. Um, I liked being able to use the rewind feature. There was one... Gosh, there was one level that I was doing and I had to break through these brick walls while a bulldozer was coming at me and I could not figure out what the trick was and I died twice. No matter what I did, I was still going to get hit by that. I couldn't stop the bulldozer. So I'm sure there was something that I just wasn't doing right. And it was, it was a, you know, quite a bit frustrating for me. Um, I, Dove back into Civilization Five. I hadn't touched it since last year, and then last weekend, I booted it up on my PC, and I went a little bit crazy, like way too crazy. I had some mods downloaded, so I always like to do, for the most part, I like to do random selection of my civilization. Uh, but I actually chose one of the mods, and it was Jimmy Carter and the United States. And one of the nice things about that particular mod is that whenever you found a city, instead of it being the tile that you're on plus the six hexes that surround it, one of the benefits for this particular mod is that you gain extra land at the very beginning every time you found a city. So instead of having those seven tiles, it would be an extra three or four tiles, which was super convenient. So I had a little civilization going. And then just for fun, I declared war. Well... I declared war on some civilizations because we didn't have the open borders agreement and I just wanted to cross and you wouldn't let me because you blocked me out. So I had to step into your territory, which is an act of war, whatever. I got out of the territory and like a few turns later, they said, hey, let's make peace. And they gave me one of their cities. I went, well, I'm not going to look to gift horse in the mouth. So, yes, I will take your city and I'll add it to my empire. And then I started declaring war on some of these other places. And usually what I do in a game of civilization is I get my technology tree so far advanced above anybody and everybody that I have, you know, battleships, aircraft carriers, and I'm just destroying these towns before I send in an infantry to claim a town. But this time I was just declaring war for the fun of it. I would attack a few of their, um, I might attack their town a little bit, but not, I wasn't really into it. And I would just wait for them to negotiate peace with me. And then they would give me a city. So at one point I had like a dozen cities spread out all over the map. And only about five of them were my own cities. Um, and then I, I decided to change things. I said, you know what? I'm tired of having to, I guess, pay for all the cities. Because the more cities you have, the more buildings you have to have to establish like a national college. To have a national college, you have to have uh, like either a school or a university in every single town. That's a lot of work. Social policies cost a lot more. The more towns you have, um, there's more unhappiness. And so for this, where I left my civilization before I saved it, uh, this was like last weekend when I was, right before I got on to talk to, uh, to Jeremy, 
I decided to raise all of those cities, burn them to the ground. So I didn't quite finish that before I had to quit, but that was, um, that's what I was doing on Civilization V. But, you know, that's one of my favorite games, so, you know, whatever. Um, it was nice that I declared war on one of the other mods, which was the, um, the Rebel Alliance, led by Princess Leia. And she negotiated peace with me, and she gave me her settlement that was called Hoth. So I greedily accepted. <laughs> there uh, you go. <laughs> so another guy, I don't know if I talked about this the last time that we met, but I did pick up Child of Light when it was on sale. I even bought the, like the extreme version that has a bunch of DLC mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know. And I played some more of that today. And the game visually is so stunning to me. Yeah. The, and it's a Ubisoft game. And you know, one of my favorite Ubisoft games is Rayman Legends. And the, the artwork on that game is just fantastic. The way everything pops, it's so lively, so colorful. Um, if you don't have Rayman Legends, look for it when it goes on sale on the Xbox. Five bucks. It, it's a, if you like platformers, one of the best five bucks you'll ever spend. So being another Ubisoft game, but this one is not that... Um, it doesn't pop like a cartoon like Rayman Legends does. It is... It's, a, it's watercolor. Mm-hmm. And so many different layers that you can see. So it almost looks like a cartoon. You know, those classic cartoons, we have all these different layers that are on top of each other. And, you know, as they move, as you scroll. But even beyond the background, but in the foreground, sometimes it looks like just streaks of watercolor that you're almost like peering through to see the main action. And it's just, just, you know, sit back and just look at it. I'm like, this is, this is beautiful. I, it's almost a platformer RPG, but I can't even really call it that because very early on, like you start off and you're, it it has platforming elements, but then you get this ability that just lets you fly. So then platforms don't really mean anything at that point. And the combat, like you see the enemies on the screen, but once you get close to them, then it goes into combat screen which is where rpg strategy type mechanic takes over and there's a bar at the bottom of the screen as your icons for you and your party members are going from uh, from left to right so are the enemy ones and there's this little red spot at the end and once you get to the edge of that that's where you make your action so it's almost like filling up your your battle bar or whatever and depending on what action you pick there may be a delay. If you pick defend, it happens instantly. An attack happens pretty quickly. But if you want to cast a spell, it's going to take a little bit longer for you to get to the end of that little red bar. And if you have not reached the end where you actually perform your, your action, an enemy could attack you, which will interrupt that and kicks you back down the, the line. Uh, but you can also do the same thing to enemies. So if, they're, if you're able to attack them in this... Um, in this one particular red phase, you can knock them back. And if you time it right, you could keep them from ever attacking you. Uh, one of the things that you do have is a little companion, this little very blue ball that travels around, but you can use the right C-stick to position that on top of an enemy and hold down the left trigger, and it will glow, which causes them to cower, which means they don't move along the bar as quickly. So there's a bit of timing that you can do with that. Uh, but you can't do it forever because 
the, the thing can only shine for, for so long and it has a little meter that will deplete. So I don't enjoy the battles. Um, I don't know. I, I like a more traditional turn-based RPG because I hate having, all right, I'm ready to attack you, but oh no, they attack me first. It interrupts what I do. So not only do I take damage, but I'm also not in a position to attack you immediately. Yeah. Um, but it's, again, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful looking game and I, I'll keep playing to see what happens, but it's, I don't know. I, I just yeah. don't know. So I was playing a little bit of that today and then, yeah, I know. I know girl. Sorry. My dog is letting me know that she's not happy that she's not being petted. <laughs> um, but I've been watching my son play hollow Knight. And I said, maybe I should play some Hollow Knight. So I booted that up and started playing that. Um, I figured, hey, my younger son beat the game and he's at 96% complete. Maybe I should uh, show him what his old man can do. (laughs) (laughs) How'd that go? Well, so far so good. He came in, saw me playing, said, oh, have you died yet? I'm like, why would I die? Who Who do you think you're talking to, son? Touch everything you know. <laughs> I was yeah, actually surprised that I had not died, but yeah, Hollow Knight's great. I love Hollow Knight. Um, you know, I had the same feelings that you have are currently having with Child Delight. It's one of those games you're like, man, so pretty. I really want to see what's going to happen, but that combat, oh, I just, it's hard to get past. It's, and it never changes. I know, <laughs> but you know, I, I felt that way. And then I ended up playing for like two hours today or, yeah. or longer. Yeah. Like, Oh wow. I've made progress. And I've just opened up some new, some new areas and I definitely did some things out of sequence, mm. but um, I feel like it's one of those games where while you're playing it, it's fun. Uh, there's never a draw to continue to play it. Uh, so that means when you're not playing it, you're kind of doubting whether or not you want to play it. That's how I was. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, there are a lot of games that are like that. Like I mentioned, you know, Art of Rally. It's like, yeah, it was fun, but it's not one of those that is saying, I can't wait to go back and play it. Like Forza Horizon 4 was for me. Mm-hmm. Or Like a Dragon or Dragon Quest Eleven, Or um, I have a stronger pull to go back and play Hollow Knight. Because, you know, that has a great art style great visuals to it love that but the combat was a bit more fun Mm -hmm. so i don't we'll we'll see what happens yeah yeah you're you're right i mean i've played a lot of games where i spend the whole day thinking about what am i going to do when i get back to that game because i need i'm going to try this i'm going to try something different on that part to try to be successful right but child of light is well, I just want to see how pretty the next area is. <laughs> so, Mike, I know that you have just completed. A, I mean, it's like you were trying to be me or something playing one of these epic RPGs. Yeah, I would say so. And, and epic is the word I would use to describe it, though. Maybe not everybody else would. I don't care about that. I care about the fact that I have completed my personal game of the year nothing is going to top it i can tell because my nostalgia goggles are like you guys can't see it but like five inches thick for um final fantasy 11 and 
um, happened across the uh, this 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 D make of the game, uh, Final Fantasy XI Braver, which is it plays like like a classic Final Fantasy, the the two D side scrolling four members in your party uh, thing, but it has like so many of the elements of a Final Fantasy XI that just make it so great and it makes the combat fun and, and complex and there's so many different jobs that you can play that change up the way that you can approach each of the, the admittedly very challenging battles that you can have. Uh, so some of the cool things that it draws in from eleven without going too deep into it is in the battle system you can do uh, what are called weapon skills. So as after you gain 100, like they're, they're called TP or maybe technical points, you can use a weapon skill. It's just like a big attack, and there's different ones you can use. And the cool thing is, is that in um, the retail version of Final Fantasy 11, you could like chain them together with somebody else who was playing, and it would do like an extra burst of damage. And then, like if a mage was there, they could cast a spell at just the right time and it would deal damage. And this guy was able to make a system like that work in a 2D environment. So you can open with a weapon skill that'll start a skill chain. And it might be like an ice-based skill chain. So they'll get an effect to the last for a few turns so that you have time to get your next character ready to like finish the skill chain with the closer. So you open the skill chain, close the skill chain, you get this big magic attack. Now, in Final Fantasy Eleven, like for retail, you uh, you don't get a long time to to react, but uh, in this one you do. You the, the several turns, and in retail it'll target a single. It'll target a, just a single enemy that you fight, and that's typically how you would approach the MMO aspect. But in this one, it's um, a full party of of enemies, so you could be fighting five, six enemies at a time. And the nice thing is, when you pull off a skill chain, it'll damage the whole group of enemies, and then it'll make them twice, like two times weak to whatever the element was of that skill chain. So if it was an ice-based skill chain. Uh, they're going to be two times weak to ice on top of whatever other weakness they already had. So then you can use your mages to deal extra damage that way. And so I thought it was a really cool way to work that like aspect into the game uh, on top of so many other things. And I was able to finish this game in a short, short 90 hours. And... Uh, it doesn't actually have to take that long, but I wanted to immerse myself into this world and spend as much time there as I could. So I took the opportunity to level up every job that I could and see what they could do so I could put together the party that I wanted to have. I took the time to explore like the extra challenge areas to get the extra strong gear that I could use uh, that unlocks extra like weapon skills and in some cases even just extra straight abilities for a certain job. And so I just I spent as much time in this world as I could and it does a really good job of recreating most well, I'm gonna say a lot of the areas from Final Fantasy Eleven. 
Um, it's still technically a work in progress as he's adding more and more areas, but the story aspect is complete. And you could probably finish that in about 30 hours if you went straight through it and didn't play around with jobs too much. But it, it's so good. And I, I would recommend it even for people who just enjoy um, RPGs who haven't played Final Fantasy XI because I feel like you could still just enjoy the game for what it is without the background knowledge of the game. Cause he does a really good job of explaining things and setting things up and making things work. So you might not get like all the references and the different items that, and the like different notorious monsters and all of that. But like he explains the mechanics really well and it just does a really good job of putting it together. Uh, if I were going to put one weakness on the game is that at the very beginning of the game, there's a lot of, like side quests you can do that sends you to go and, and take care of like the different notorious monsters that are available. Uh, but towards the end of the game, that kind of tapers off and you can see like he was running out of like steam for it. And like, I, I know that because I've talked to the guy quite a bit over the past couple of months that I've been working on this game. It's been really hard for him to push through. Now hmm. I can't say that I blame him because he's been working on this game for six years and it's currently you know, it's free to play because he can't charge for it. But if you wanted to, you could donate to him, but you don't have to. So yeah, six years is a long time to put into a game, even if it is a passion project all by yourself. And so I understand why it was that way. And like, when you put it into perspective of going through on this huge, like world saving quest, like, it makes sense that the the side objectives kind of get pushed to the side, like from a narrative perspective. And I might just be making excuses, but like that's kind of how I felt towards the end. It's like, okay, that that makes sense. Hmm. Ultimately, though, fantastic game. Um, yeah, I, I I could talk about this for forty five <laughs> minutes. I'm sure. I will digress and tell you some of the other games that I've been playing and I won't go on for quite as long on so, those. Uh, I do have uh, a few comments on it. I mean, looking at it, it looks interesting. Um, even if it is just Final Fantasy nostalgia itself, it seems like it could be fun. Um, do you happen to say what he made it in? I mean, I have guesses, but... Well, yeah, he did use... Um, a, a tool called RPG maker and it's a certain version of it. Uh, but like, there's so many assets pulled in from final fantasy 11 and like spinoff games. So like you don't get like the monsters. The only thing that's really there is like the base kit of it. Mm. And like the, the character sprites look like that. Right. Like, especially in battles. Yeah. I see that like the, the, they bring in the 3d kind of like, you know, uh, images. Of yeah. The different uh, enemies and stuff. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And I, I know some people who have been turned off by the fact that, it, oh, it's just RPG Maker, but like, okay, but like, it doesn't mean that it's not an awesome game with some really cool features. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I played around with RPG Maker a ton in my youth. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of appreciation for people who can follow through and actually make a full game with it. But. It's a powerful little system. Yeah, it's it's really interesting what he's able to do with it. And there's there's some some buggy stuff that doesn't work 
the best and some issues you could run into, but mm-hmm. um, most of the things, like if you're a part of the discord, there's either a workaround for the problem so that if you ask, we could help you with it or um, there's a patch that can fix it. If you have like the most up-to-date version of it. So, right. Right. No, I, I love seeing things like this where we, we can promote kind of like small indie developers no matter what they're doing, you know, passion projects. Uh, and I, I, I do know that he's interested in making more games that are more original. And he's definitely yeah. going to be somebody that I'm watching in the future uh, for whatever he makes, because he makes it with so much passion. And like, he does a really good job of capturing the world. And right. yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever he comes out with next. And I, I will be going back in whenever he, Give, does an update to check out whatever new things he adds right. just because I really enjoyed my time with it. Oh, that's cool. And uh, you can get it on itch.io, right? You you can download it there, but you can't like play it through itch.io. It, it's oh, weird. Yeah. You have to like unzip the file with a WinRAR or something. It took mm-hmm. me a couple of days to figure it out because I'm not super computer literate. You'd probably figure it out in five minutes and be <laughs> up and playing. But yeah, you, that's where you can get it. Um, yeah. Once I unzipped the file and figured out how to open it, it was golden. <laughs> <laughs> so... I also, okay, so Ryan and I had the conversation that we had that didn't make the cut because of some technical difficulties. So I think these are the little games from then. But yeah, as I recall, I had just finished Rystar, which is uh, from the Sega Genesis. Uh, Now it's going to be available on Switch Online. Pretty solid uh, 2D platformer. Um, I played it on the Genesis collection that Brian was talking about uh, with liberal use of the rewind function because I'm not a sadist. And um, finished the game in a single sitting as a result. But there's some like really tough parts uh, that I could tell if you didn't have that safety. You'd really have to like practice on those parts like quite a bit before you'd be able to get it but i had a good time with that game it's bright and colorful uh i'd recommend checking it out if you haven't played it before or you know now that in october it's going to be coming to sega genesis online i guess this would be a great way to to check it out Mm -hmm. if you want to get the extra pack for for whatever that ends up being um right yeah uh, finished Mass Effect 2 uh, with my son, uh, planning on doing um, full-on busted backlog for the entire like Legendary Edition. We just have to finish up Mass Effect 3, so I won't say too much about that, but you know, it's a third-person shooter, heavily story-based, um, decisions matter, you know, kind of thing. And then... Uh, so we were talking about the Nintendo Direct earlier, and uh, they announced the the uh, Castlevania Advanced Collection, and we were discussing um, Castlevania Dracula X. Um, so I purchased that last night right before I went to bed. I uh, got up early this morning and played all the way through the game. Um, 
uh, this morning uh, using liberal use of the rewind button again because I'm still not a sadist. <laughs> and um, some guide to help me get the the best ending because uh, I found a key randomly. I was like, what am I supposed to do with this key? So I looked it up. And said, oh, I got to go save these two chicks. Okay. And then I just, okay, I know what I'm doing. So I went and I did that. And so I was able to get the, the good ending. But yeah, as, as punishing as Rystar could have been, uh, this game, especially the last like couple of bosses and even like the last level is just like, incredibly unforgiving as far mm. as like it just it goes from what seems like a manageable you know problem solve the the puzzle of the the room type platformer to uh random bs go moment <laughs> uh like aka like medusa heads and stuff <laughs> though like they just keep coming back and respawning yeah. and they have like these little blue skulls that'll come and just like oh. they fly at you and they just keep coming back they have these little red skeletons that'll keep popping back up while you're trying to fight enemies on the other side. And it's almost like Dracula doesn't want you to kill him. You know, you would think that he's selfish. <laughs> Always and then, like, the, not just the, a man. <laughs> this predates that by a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. Was that at the end of Rondo of Blood? So maybe it doesn't uh, predate it. Symphony Symphony is supposed to be sequel. Right. Rondo. Yeah. Right. So I just don't know if that particular line from the beginning of Symphony of the Night is at the end of Rondo of oh. Blood because oh. that's uh, like no. This is the beginning of Symphony of the Night is the end of Rondo of Blood. Yeah. Anyways, I, I don't know. I haven't played it. But yeah, like Death is one of the fights you do in every Castlevania game for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh he's one of the he's like the second to last boss and like his first phase no sweat he's flying around you hit him he floats away whatever his second phase when he has like half health left is crazy it's just it's crazy he's flying all over the screen spinning and like if you don't jump like out of the way at just the right time there is no avoiding the attack i probably spent a quarter of the time that i was playing (laughs) this morning rewinding trying to not die in that fight because I had given up the let's not get hit in this game <laughs> when I got to this fight um, to let's not die. And, oh, my God, that was ridiculous. And then in- this is a really old game. I'm going to spoil the last boss fight because it's ridiculous. You you fight yeah. you fight Dracula in this room. And, like, normally you think, okay, so we're going to boss fight. You know, this whole you know, flat floor. No problem. No. No. You get, like, pillars. And then you can fall off in between the pillars and die during the final boss fight and he can spawn in such a way that you can't do anything about it especially mm. when he gets to his second form and you're you just yeah i had to like rewind all the way back from his second form to his first form so that i could get into an appropriate position to not die when he transformed <laughs> it was ridiculous <laughs> still Is a fun it- game would definitely recommend to check it out with a rewind button, but uh, playing it on the Super Nintendo would have been exceptionally challenging. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for those gamers. Is it is it weird that hearing you struggle so much makes me want to play it more? <laughs> well, considering it's you, Mister, I, I could you know 
save states and uh, <laughs> Adam's family, but would rather not. No, <laughs> I, I feel like it just fills you with determination. I love, I love the idea of just what you went through. I love the idea of you like, I tried this and it didn't work. I tried that, it didn't work. So I had to try this and it kind of worked, but then I had to go back and try it again. It didn't work that time, but I went this time. It kind of worked. I almost got there, had to do it over again, tried it, didn't work that time. And just keep going in circles until you finally get it. And I love that. (laughs) Well, this game will deliver in spades. (laughs) And, I mean, the collection is only $20. And -hmm. you get four... Well, four like you get three Metroidvanias out of that, and then mm-hmm. Castlevania Dracula X, which isn't a Metroidvania. This is more of the straightforward, but like yeah. it's one of those ones that didn't fit anywhere else in the collections, right. for whatever reason. So, is it the Super Nintendo version, or was there a Game Boy Advance version of Dracula X? I think it's the Super Nintendo version. Okay. I don't, I don't remember there being a Game Boy Advance version. <sighs> like. It looked more Super Nintendo to me as far as like the graphics is like, you know, like when you look at the Game Boy port of a Super Nintendo game, yeah. like you can tell like the like the shading's different and the music is different. Right. And I didn't get any of that from Dracula X. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, it makes me want to get it more. I mean, I want it for Aria Soro primarily, but it's cool that they have Dracula X on there. Yeah. And I played it full screen and like it works like that. Like a lot of times when you do full screen, like things get stretched and it mm-hmm. looks weird and it didn't mm-hmm. in this game in that version. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the really cool features of this collection. In addition to rewinding and mm-hmm. a really cool art section and probably other things I haven't found yet, but I really <laughs> liked that I could go full screen as opposed oh, do they, to the, do they give you the Japanese versions as well? Like they and, did in and the, the PAL versions. Ooh, that's cool. That's super fun. Yeah, so I'm going through and I'm unlocking achievements and it's going, do this in Dracula X or Vampire's Kiss. Because uh, that's the PAL, yeah. the PAL region uh, yeah. name for Dracula X. Yeah, that's fun. Well, more power to you on that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the Castlevania games, but they're, they're not the, the games that I will gravitate towards. But... That's fine. Everybody likes their own things. Some people like Mega Man. Some people like, you know, 100 hour RPGs they play every summer. See, and I've always been drawn to Castlevania, but I didn't really want to dive back into it until I started playing the Bloodstained games, which mm-hmm. are this like spiritual successors to uh, the Castlevania series. And the, that just really reignited my passion to play through those games. Yeah. And, yeah. It's it's a good time, but it is challenging. I'm not sure if the other Castlevania collection has a rewind function because it was kind of obscure in how you get to it. So I'm mm-hmm. going to have to go back and check that out. And if it does, I might actually be in another Castlevania game pretty soon. <laughs> cool. All right. So uh, let's talk about what we're going to be playing or think we're going to be playing. This section always gets me every time because I say one thing and I don't even touch those games. <laughs> but... As we record this, in 14 days, the Switch OLED model comes out. So, should have one coming to me. And I'm hoping that when I do, I'll start marking off some games off the backlog that have been sitting there on the Switch. I've got things in mind like Mario plus Rabbids, um, 
uh, Alboy, which I started, never finished, Bastion, um, I haven't even started Transistor, uh, Shuffle Knight, I think I'm like a couple levels away from finishing that. Um, you guys were mentioning Save States, and I realized that I was in a playthrough of Gradius hmm. on the NES Online. Uh, of course, using Save States, because I've kind of used Save States on that game. Because, uh, <laughs> if yeah. you ever want to see the end of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not like, I, I just, I don't have the time to put that much energy into it. Oh. Um, but yeah, so I've got a lot of games that um, I think I could finish up, them close enough, and others that I just really want to play, like Trials of Mana or Final Fantasy you know, 10. It's just sitting there and I haven't touched it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's um, those are the big ones that are on my radar. And maybe, maybe I'll even get back to playing some Child of Light. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. So, uh, Mike, how about you? Well, I have been going with playing games with my kids lately. So I have a game that I'm working on with each one of my kids. So with Dom, I'm working on The Last of Us Part Two. Um, doing we're doing pretty good on that. Uh, for those in the know, we just got to the movie theater, so that was. It, I had feelings about that scene. Had some feelings. Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> with my my eldest daughter working on Life is Strange Two, we just started Chapter Three. Uh, with my youngest daughter, we're working on Skylanders Giants, and we're about to start the fifth level. So that's that's fun. And then um, on my own, I'm working on two games. One is this. Um, <clears throat> it's a it's a 2D um, precision platformer called uh, Dojoran. You play as a ninja frog and. You have very limited move set, but your whole like premise is to like uh, just get through these challenging levels. And like one of the big draws for me is that the art style looks almost identical to um, Gato Robato. Uh, if, I, I think you guys have played that. It, it, like it doesn't play the same as Gato Robato, but the art style is very similar. And so that was a draw to me. And I'm having a good time with with uh, Dojo Ran. I I would recommend it. It's pretty pretty cheap and it's on sale right now. And then the other game that is it made by the own, same developer that did Got a Roboto? It is not. It is not. I, I had to look to find out. Oh. It's, it's somebody different. Yeah, I like I really like that uh what they call it, the one bit style. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it would be nice if we could get, like, in Gato Roboto, you had the different themes, so you could get different colors. Uh, it doesn't right. seem to be that that's the thing. And this was, like, one of those games that, like, you get your 1,000 gamer score ridiculously quick. Like, I wasn't even halfway through the game, and I already had all my gamer score, uh, which is actually kind of disappointing, because a lot of people are going to get that gamer score and then stop. And it's like, Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> there's so much more game to play. And there's like, there's obviously an objective yeah. for collecting all of these talismans in every level and then getting to the end of the level with like the extra hit item. So right. I feel like they could have done a better job with that. And then the last game that I'm working on is um, the new release from Zoink. It's um, Lost in Random. And it's this... Um, yeah like Tim Burton-esque uh, 
world and it's all about um like exploring the different like levels of random which are all named after like the different numbers on a dice right now i'm exploring two town and then next i get to go to three dumb or something like it's like that is the naming convention and it's it's pretty neat the way that they incorporate um like the dice roll and cards and like you, you hear those things you think okay it's random I'm, it's gonna be so like i'm not gonna be in control and it's gonna it's gonna be bad but it's not it's not like that at all you get to fully customize your your deck of cards that you want and you can play around like to get the power-ups and the weapons that you want to use in the battle it might take a little bit longer but um it's really fun and i'm really looking forward to diving back into it when i get a uh get a chance yeah it looks really cool i really like the the art style of it very nice patrick we oui, we oui. i am here uh monsieur um merci <laughs> Uh, so I have a few things on the docket. Uh, the first couple I'm actually currently playing. The others are kind of like wish lists. If I get through the ones I'm playing right now, uh, for what I would like to try to play. Uh, the first one being the medium. Um, how's that going? Good so far. Uh, I'm trying to think I'm in the Neva. I just got there. So not very far into the game. I just, I just ran into sadness and Ma and got away from Ma. Um, So I'm playing this. So, okay. I am not a big fan of blooper team. I do not like their games. Typically. I didn't like layers of fear. Um, Observer seems okay, but I could never really get into it. And then, so I was hesitant to start the medium. Coming into it, I like the concept. I like the idea of her having the two world thing going. Split screen, I'm not sure if I'm sold on it, but it has an interesting concept. Um, My biggest problem, though, I'm playing on my PC uh, because I don't have a Series X. Um, And this game drags my computer to the ground. And apparently, this is a thing with this game that even the top of the line computers struggle with it. And um, so I don't want to say that it's ruining my experience, but I've been playing around with the settings, trying to get it into a spot where I can enjoy the game because I do think it looks cool. I do think it's kind of fun. I liked the whole section with Ma where you had to escape from it and everything. And the game is gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's uh, that's that's frustrating that you're having that issue with that because I I really enjoyed my time with that game earlier this year and mm-hmm. I I'm really looking forward to hearing what you you thought about it as a whole when you finish but uh, yeah. man if it's gonna be through some charcoal colored glasses because the PC <laughs> port is a problem that's yeah. not gonna be fun. Um, I'm going to try to look beyond. The performance thing because i know like i said it's a thing with the pc version apparently um yeah. but i am enjoying it so far i will say that i, I definitely um, think that it's blooper team's best work to date by yeah. a lot 
Oh yeah, it seems like it for sure. I love the idea of it having the adventure game elements to it. Um and how you could have the two views and find different things on either side and then you use one side to solve a puzzle on the other. It was kind of cool. I like that a lot. Um, the next game, and we haven't technically started it yet, but we are determined to start it, is Children of Morda. Uh, this is kind of like a dungeon crawler uh, action RPG. It's multiplayer. I'll be playing this one with my wife. It has a really interesting uh, kind of 2D pixel-based art style. Reminds me of, or it reminds me of a game we played called Olaya or Olia, which was a Devolver digital game. And that game, um, certainly do not judge a book by its cover. I would highly recommend it. It has, it's very interesting atmosphere. It's kind of an action platformer. Um, if you get a chance, try that one. It's called, it's like O-L-J-A. It's Olia. Okay. Um, next up, and these are the, the games that I'm, I'm thinking about trying out once we get through the medium and children of Morta. The first one is, and I don't know how to pronounce it. It's either breath edged or breath edge or breathed, but it's kind of like subnautica, but in space. That's kind of what it looks like. It looks really interesting. Uh, I know they also have the sub-zero, um, Subnautica just came out, so I was kind of going between those, but I thought it would be interesting to try one that was in space. Even though Subnautica was kind of supposed to be the twist on the whole space theme, you're underwater instead of out in space, but it looks pretty cool. It's on Game Pass, both on the Xbox and PC, so I might try that one out. Uh, Next up, Nuclear Throne, because I feel like a co-op roguelike. It could be really fun. We played a bit of Enter the Gungeon, and this seems a lot like that. Yeah, I had a, a good time playing Wizards of Legend, I think it's called, with, with Dom. We played a little mm-hmm. bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get too far, but it was nice to play something like that together. Yeah, I like playing those. So, like Enter the Gungeon, where it's you know a very much, very much a pick-up-and-play experience that you can play multiplayer. So if you just want to kill an hour, it's a really good way to do that. And Nuclear Throne seems to have a lot of really interesting and fun concepts. So I want to try that one out. And finally, this is kind of like a, this is my comfort food zone game, uh, Momodora. I'm, uh, I'm trying not to play a Metroidvania, but I really want to play one. And Momodora, I recently picked up, and the graphics in it are quite stunning the animations as well um reminds me a lot of the toho luna nights, luna nights. yeah I, I played a little bit of that uh when it was on game pass i'm not sure if it's still there but uh it was hard so you'll probably like it but <laughs> 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 well, that's my that's my wish list the first two i'm definitely playing but the rest i'm you know hopefully get to at least one of them Right. Well, sounds like you have a busy month ahead of you. (laughs) I'm sure you'll be able to complete all of those games and more. We expect nothing but the best. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So we actually got a community question this time. Uh, So let's dive into that. This is from Kevin Hummert 28. 
uh, he asks, which, which gaming characters are on your gaming Mount Rushmore and why? Uh, his example was Geralt from uh, Witcher, because Witcher 3 is his favorite game. Uh, Commander Shepard from Mass Effect, which is his second favorite game series. Link, uh, Legend of Zelda, is his favorite series. And Samus being the standard bearer for his favorite game genre, Metroidvanias. And uh, he also asked to follow up who just missed getting on the mountain. For example, his would be Mario. So, who would you have on your gaming Mount Rushmore? Now, I know that he said gaming characters, but I had like two different uh, layers to this. So, first I was thinking of actual people. Because, you know, you think of oh, Mario, yeah, yeah. but my mind went to, so you know what? Let me throw uh, Miyamoto on there. I think his contributions, at least to like modern video gaming, is just unsurpassed. Um, I had to throw uh, Sid Meier on there. I think he's done a lot in terms of strategy and PC games. Um, Nolan Bushnell for Atari, and you can't discount Showbiz Pizza or Chuck E. Cheese, or was it Pizza Time or whatever it was. Um, and then uh, Akira Toriyama, so of Dragon Ball Z fame, but that's Dragon Ball Z. To me, more importantly, Dragon Quest and Chrono Trigger. So for in terms of like the humans, um, those were the four that came to my mind. What about you guys? You know, real or fictional characters, who would you have? This is a really tough one. It is. It really is. Um, let's see. I was going to the roster for Smash Brothers for <laughs> yeah. random Roy, Marth, Byleth, <laughs> uh, no. Kirby, <laughs> uh, Kirby, Meta Knight, um, King DDD, <laughs> King DDD, yep. uh, the M Tomato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, one that I, if a real person who I would put on there would be Koji Kondo for all of his amazing uh, compositional work in mm. Mario and Zelda. I mean, he, right. you know, single-handedly composed the soundtrack to the original Zelda, which is, you know, iconic. Um, let me see. I have name. I like, I picture people and I can't pull the names out. I get the Resident Evil guy. I get the Mega Man guy. I get Castlevania guy. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, I can't think of them. <laughs> KJ and KG and Afuni and yep. Afune, yep. I think Mega is Mega Man, Man right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, uh, Iggy. Uh, yep. Yep. Is it's Castlevania. Iggy is No, sorry. It's Shinji. Is it Shinji? Shinji Mikami. Yeah, Shinji Mikami is Resident Evil. Um, if I was to do characters though, okay, if I was to do video game characters, I wouldn't do a Zelda, I wouldn't do a Mario. I would get out of here with that. (laughs) I wouldn't even do a Mario, and that's what I'm saying. What (laughs) so who, who, who would you have then? Um, okay, this is just going rapid fire. First thing comes to my mind, I would do L card. I would okay. do uh, Leon Kennedy. 
I would do Nero from Don, uh, Don, uh, Devil May Cry. Um, Frank West from Dead Rising. <laughs> and finally, to be from Nier Automata. Look, he makes his own rules. This has been clearly established. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, how about how about you, Mike? You know, I've been thinking this whole time, and I'm drawing a blank. So here, here's here's what I'm gonna go with. I, I think I think I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to pull one from each of the the four like major consoles that have existed in, in my gaming time. So I'm going to loop Sega in there. Uh, so we'll start with Nintendo. And for me, the biggest one is Mario. I know that's the, the cliche answer. I don't care. Mario Maker was like one of the biggest games for me and it has had one of the biggest impacts on my life. So Mario's got to be on there for me. Um, when it comes to Sega, um, uh, I'm not going to go with Sonic. Sonic's cool. I'm not even going to go from somebody from the Sonic franchise, as cool as they are. Uh, I'm going to go to the series that that, uh, that Ryan is struggling with, uh, Shining Force. I'm going to go with Max, the main character. Um, <laughs> no, Max, the main character from Shining Force. Um, that's another game for me personally, that has really helped to develop my sense of um, like the types of games that I really enjoy, that those tactical strategies, um, those are my favorite. Um, Switching gears to PlayStation, and I'm not going to necessarily go go first party because I don't know that I'm the best person for that. But, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go with a Resident Evil pick as well. And as as cool as Leon is, I think I gotta go with one from the the original game. Even though two's two's my favorite still, <laughs> but I, I've played three re- remake recently, and I, I gotta put Jill up there. I feel like she's she's a great choice, and you know we get that that female representation. We need some of that up on our our Mount Rushmore. And then uh, from from Xbox Land. And you know, this is where I play the most, but I also, I, I don't generally play the first party games and I'm trying to think of something that is like consistently Xbox. You know what I'm going to go with, even though it, it's, it's not, it's not staying there. It's not staying on Xbox. I'm, I'm going to go with Alan Wake just mm. because he has been an Xbox staple for such a long time, even though he's, he's not going to be there right away. Uh, in the remake, or is he? Is yeah, no, no, he's just expanding. It's it's Kotor that's going to be timed exclusive to PlayStation. It's getting kind of late. I'm a little tired. I apologize. <laughs> Anyways, Alan Wake for my Xbox pick. There we go. It's a good one. Okay, so I guess you did not want to take me up on Altered Beast Guy on your um, you're giving Mount Rushmore. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so for for characters you know i've got to go with the, the classics you know alex kid amagon mm. kid courage mm. um kabuki quantum fighter like those to me are just no just kidding it's a joke i thought you, you were you want ET, right no i was i was because i know how much you liked keith uh no not kid courage keith courage there we go mm. right keith courage classic your, your favorite turbo graphic 16 game mm-hmm. your only turbo graphic only one game. the only one i've ever had and played 
No, I, I think for me, and I'm having a hard time coming up with the fourth one, but um, Mario, Super Mario World is one of my favorite games, along with Dr. Mario. Mm. And without him, I wouldn't have those games. Uh, I put Sonic on there. I felt that Sega needed to have some kind of representation, especially with all the stuff that went on with the 16-bit wars between Sega and Super Nintendo. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of those like, I, you know, you're not really the best one there, but we feel like we we have to include you, you know. Uh, and uh, Miss Pac-Man, hmm. one of my favorite games of all time, um, even to this day, just put me down, you know, with uh, the the fast mode turned on, and I'm gonna be a I'll be a happy guy. Oh, I know my fourth one. The um, excuse me, the the long skinny Tetris block, the line block gives yeah, you the Tetrises. Yep. yep. <laughs> There's my fourth. There you go. There Good you question. Go. May, may, how to make us think? Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. So, uh, before we uh, get out, you know, this is where we like to give other podcasts, uh, you know, a little bit of a signal boost. So, uh, Patrick, is there a podcast that uh, you would like others to know about? I sure do. Uh, this is a podcast that I've been a fan of, have been following for for a very long time, uh, might even predate Backlog Busters listening days. Uh, and I still listen to, to them today, and they're called Cartridge Command. So it's a two-man team. Uh, they take deep dives into 8- and 16-bit games. Uh, and each, each of their episodes, they cover one single game, They'll give a brief history about it. Uh, they'll they'll even include kind of a, not necessarily a read-through of the manual, but kind of an overview of what the manual contained, like the pages, uh, if it had artwork, screenshots, you know, did it give you hints on how to play the game, its controls, things like that. Uh, and then they'll give a bit of their personal history with the game, because a lot of the time, uh, you know, for people within our generation, within our, you know, video game history... I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> People who have been around as long as we have and have played games in the 8 and 16-bit era, you know, they have childhood memories and so on. And they go over that. And then from there, they, they, they take the deepest dive. They'll go level by level on these things, talking about enemies that they fight, strategies they use to beat it, bosses they fought, troubles they had fighting them. And then uh, finally, at the end, they rate it. Uh, using the old school Nintendo power rating system. So they'll use graphics and sound, they'll use play control, challenge, and themes and fun. And then they just wrap it up. Yeah, it's really fun. If you like retro games, highly recommend you go out and listen to these guys, Nick and Eric. Um, And I don't want to spoil much, but I may have a retro talk lined up with them at some time in the future. Ooh. So what? go listen to them. They're really great. So, but, but their their retro is eight and sixteen bit, right? Yeah, they only cover eight and sixteen on theirs. They do kind of like a side thing uh, that covers RPGs, which still include thirty two bit RPGs. But for the most part, they do eight and sixteen bit. Nice. Yep. All right. You said it was a cartridge command. Cartridge command. Yep. And awesome. I think you can follow them on Twitter at Kurt Command. Not not Game Pack Command. <laughs> oh. that I'm aware of <laughs> alright well that is going to do it for 
today or tonight's episode. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter. We're all over the place at backlog underscore busters. You can find me at mathman1024. And uh, how about you guys? You can find me at uh, blaze night0923. You can find me at backlog patty, P A T T Y. There you go. I was about to say, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a good day out there in Backlog Land. Goodbye. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs>